What's up, guys? Winter is here, podcast, doing the season five recap. Cody, Matt, and Adam here. Um, This is the first season where you really get to see the power of the Lannisters just kind of shake into the core here. You've seen, basically, I guess it's progression season by season, Jamie takes his licks, then Tyrion takes his licks the next season, and now it's Cersei's turn. So she's lost Joffrey. They're just now burying Tywin after Tyrion kills him. So now she suspects that not only did he kill her son, he's now killed her dad. Right. And now she's freaking out because Marcella's up in Dorne. Tommen's married to Marjorie. Oberon was just killed. Where Marcella is, shit's not going well for her. And on top of all of that, you get introduced this season to the High Sparrow. And to start, you kind of don't really know what the guy is or what to expect from him. You kind of, he just, he seems like a really simple guy and you don't really understand exactly what's going on with him but that's made that's the biggest thing i mean there's some big shit that happens this season very big very 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 big things happen to the plot but this is the the kind of underlying thing going on the entire season so he's introduced and you realize you know you already know that that lancel is part of this this group of religious Comes fanatics back to the city and joins the now all this like you just you don't understand what's going on, but you quickly realize well, it, it tries it, it initially is a power play on Cersei's part. That's what I was just getting She's to. Trying to get she, power it's back. right, so she creates this group, right? The faith militant. She doesn't create them. She allows through manipulation of Tommen to be introduced to, to allow to give them more power. And the only reason for that is the same thing with Joffrey's death where she sprung in an opportunity to eliminate Tyrion as a threat. This is an opportunity to start chipping away at the Tyrells. This is you're seeing what happens when the head of the household in Tywin is removed from the equation and there's nobody there to tell Cersei fucking stop. Don't do that. You're going to screw all of us by doing something selfish. Don't do it. I'm not going to allow you to do it. That's the only reason that that they get power is Cersei wants to start chipping away at the Tyrells. So all of a sudden, after all this shit that you've seen in Game of Thrones, now all of a sudden people are being imprisoned for being gay. So that just kind of starts to set things off in motion. Like Loris so, gets arrested. Yeah, so Loris, Loris is arrested. Cersei's happy as shit. The next best thing that she could possibly have happen happens, and Marjorie gets arrested yeah, for because, lying. Right, because she knew, about, she knew about her brother. Yeah, she knew so, about her brother. Great, now not only have I started chipping away at the family, I've got my main competition for my son locked up as well. So things are going well for Cersei. You get Elena Tyrell back. 
she's obviously not happy. She has a you know a conversation with uh, the High Sparrow, and I think it's really that conversation right there because you can see it on Elena Tyrell's face. Like she's very good. Like her and Tyrion, I think, are very similar characters where. You know, they're highborn, they understand that aspect of things, but they also, they understand the politics better than anybody else, and they don't do things just to better themselves. Like, they play things very, very intelligently and diplomatically, and you see between Elena and the High Sparrow that this dude, he does not want, he, he only, he doesn't want riches, anything. He, he only like, cares about his beliefs. Like a Jesus. And that, you realize there how dangerous he is because they don't know how to manipulate this guy to get him to listen. And he's not listening at all. As Cersei admitted last season um, about the whole incest thing to Tywin, she goes over here thinking that things are going to go well. She ends up getting imprisoned. Because of Lancel. Lancel Lancel Lannister. Tells about them having sex. And all of a sudden, Cersei's locked up. Right, so she created a group of powerful people that even she isn't technically not like above the law, but because they're they, you know they're religion based or religious based, but not not even she is powerful enough to be above their rule. It really came back to bite her in the ass, big time. You get to see, like I said, like Tyrion's struggles were, I think, different. Like, obviously different than what Cersei experiences this season and what Jamie experienced. But Jamie and Cersei's, like, punishments and their down seasons are kind of almost like direct parallels. Like, Jamie's is obviously worse. But Cersei, basically, she's just being tortured. She gets I, kept awake. Yeah, I forget she, that woman's name. But, like, that... Can't you, be with either, but she keeps just, her up. Yeah, she just... They basically confess torture her. crimes. Yeah, like, confess. Like... We're going to just basically drive you insane until you confess. If you think about it, all Lannister children have been put in jail. Yeah. Because, you know, Tyrion served some time. For But that's the thing, too. Like, Cersei's turn. She, she created this issue for herself, though. Like, the other, the other two were yeah, just she, victims of circumstance. She did this to herself. And it's just, it's wonderful to see it backfire and blow up in her face because you haven't seen anything anything happen to her like you I don't mean really see her lose control. No. And she really loses control. Yeah, like which sucks, but the the high sparrow is not a likable guy. He really isn't. Like he's kind of a dick too. And like you said, he's kind of a simple guy. Um you know, wears plain clothing, plain shoes, stuff like that. Just brown, not even hanging, plain clothing, like brown he's like robes. Hanging out with poor people and yeah. like fleece bottles. Yeah. So. Very yeah. different, polar opposite from where Cersei is. And that's the only reason that you do like him. Like, you still, you, you've grown to really like Marjorie, so you don't like him for jailing her. But at the same time, that is a very small piece of collateral damage. To see Cersei be treated the way that she's she's treated, so she really gets it though. She had like like I said, like she admitted to Tywin about her and Jamie. She finally admits to the High Sparrow that she was sleeping with Lancel. She doesn't admit um, anything about Jamie, but she admits enough to like just like let's end this. Let's get the ball rolling. So the big punishment for her is the walk of atonement. Yeah. Walk of shame. I like. That. So they strip her down, 
cut her hair, make her walk the streets completely naked. People throwing shit at her. Oh, like by the time she's done, like she's Spitting like she's basically her. like broken. Like she's bloody, embarrassed as all all get out. She's crying. Um, but you still still see a little fight in her eyes, just a little. Well, yeah, glimmer. and then that wraps up with a a big big thing for her is oh look at this it's the zombie mountain yeah that's what i was saying she walks up and she's embraced by what jamie or somebody but like you see the mountain in the background you're like oh but shit, also doesn't back. her daughter die too so she has to deal with that shit oh we're we're getting there yeah so she's got a lot she's got a lot on her yeah but i mean like that's this is the first time where she finally gets some physical punishment to go along with the emotional trauma. But that's the thing is out of everybody in this show, everything that happens to her is directly her fault. Yeah. So before, I guess before we go into all that, the big thing with Jamie this season is him and Braun are still together. They're going to Dorn to secretly rescue Marcella. Right. Because of the fallout. We talked about Oberyn's death in last season they, Which was whose fault? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so they know that there's going to be some His backlash from the Dornish people. And they know that Marcella's been there for a while because she was betrothed or sent there by Tyrion, kind of. Tyrion and, set it up to fuck Cersei over. Exactly. Here. So it still happened, and she's still there. So that's what but she's says. enjoying her time there. She's being taken right. good care she, of by, I don't remember she's his name because he doesn't matter, but it's Oberyn's brother. Right. Who you can tell is not like he's very he's nothing like his brother like nothing like Oberyn. Well, he's he's, he's a weakling guy. He he believes they, in doing the right he's thing. Very, yeah, he's very political Dorn, and very Dorn Martell. Yeah, yeah, Dorn. Very political. He's very smart, and he kind of his job he's in is a to wheelchair. Keep, yeah, yeah, blind. Yeah, is to keep the kid the family kind of under control because you um, get introduced to the the Sand Vipers and they are terrible. They, they really are, are terrible awful, people. They awful. really are. Awful characters, poorly acted, but they're. But you see how deadly they are. That's all. That's the only thing that you really need to they, see. Yeah, is they how are kind of badass. They, yeah. they show you some like messed up shit. They've got the dude buried up to his neck in sand, and they take the bucket off or whatever. And there's like scorpions around. Aren't there's they, a one just takes like, the javelin and spears them. Yeah, they're Oberyn's three daughters and his children. Yeah, yeah. So they call him like I think that in Sand winter Snakes. in winter fell it's snow is the bastard's last name in the in Dorn it's sand. It's yeah. sand. So but like you quickly realize how how deadly they are. You can tell they take after their dad for sure. So the big thing with that obviously is they're out for Lannister blood. Yeah. They want revenge. So Marcella she's enjoying herself there. She doesn't want to leave. So Another weird conversation that goes on with her is she, her and Jamie are talking, you know, having a good time. And she tells him, like, I always knew you were my dad. And then, boom, blood starts coming out of her nose. And then all of a sudden you recall the conversation that Braun has with one of the, the Viper or Sam Viper girls. And she shows him this little thing and talks about knowing how to poison people. And then all of a sudden you think, oh, Illyria just kissed Marcella before she got on the boat. Yeah. Poisons her dead. Kiss of death. So another major, major hit for for the Lannisters. Yeah, she dies in his arms, in Jamie's arms. 
And that's the thing is like you you'll like I'll never forget that scene where they show them sailing back, and they show Cersei, and then they show how happy she is to see him coming back, and then they show Jamie standing there, and you see his face, and then they like pan back to Cersei, and you see, like oh shit, and you see the golden shroud, and that's something else we didn't even go into is this season, they open with with the prophecies that are supposed to happen, and that's one thing that we had you know, kind of discussed is there are going to be some differences in the books and the show. Right. They don't talk about the whole uh, Valonqar theory, but that's a very, very powerful scene to open with where they meet, what's her name, Maggie the Frog or yeah. whatever. And they, they, that girl that plays that character, she's just such a little bitch just like Cersei turns out to be. <laughs> And you know, she tells her, oh, yeah. golden shorts, yeah. golden crowns, golden shrouds, you know, your kids are going to die and all that shit about Robert Baratheon being a whore and all that good stuff. So that was a, that was a, a fun scene to, to open with. But uh, it's just, it's, it's finally, you finally get to see, instead of the Starks getting their asses handed to them left and right, you someone, finally get to yeah. see someone that you hate really, really get dirt thrown on them. And it's like it's a it's a moral victory because not only did you just get to see Joffrey die last season, yeah, you get to see Cersei die. But then at the same time, you still feel bad because she's an evil bitch, and you haven't seen much of Marcella at all. And then she has this heart heartwarming speech with her daddy, Uncle Daddy, right? And then boom, she's dead, and she's more collateral damage in Cersei's whole fucked up events that she creates. So even if you want to feel good about where she is, you still feel bad because her innocent daughter was killed. And then you just hate her even that much more. And you feel bad for Jamie because his daughter was just killed. Right, he's the one who sees it. He's the the one who has to deal with all the people from Dorne. And it turns out that that whole mission is a wash because, you know, she dies on the way back. It's just terrible. But staying with the Lannisters, uh, old Tyrion, he's drinking a lot to uh, you know start yeah, the season. That uh, that scene with him and Varys is pretty good, where he just where he bends over up. and yeah. throws up, and then immediately picks his glass <laughs> back up and keeps drinking. Um, basically, Tyrion's with Varys, and he basically you know he gets in his ear and he tells him like you know you need to go see Daenerys Targaryen, and you need to teach her how to rule. Like shit in Westeros is not going well. Your sister is aren't screwing your friend everything up. You've got a psychopath running the north and Roose Bolton and, and Ramsey. And what the hell's going on, man? Like you need to get up here, get with this girl. We need to get someone that's normal and has a rightful heir to the throne on the throne and you're perfectly capable of doing that. So that's where he kind of starts to make his way. And then, boom, who do we see? Old Mormont. Jorah Mormont kidnaps Tyrion. He's going to take him to... Uh, I think put him in a bag or something. Yeah, he like literally <laughs> picks him up and then like literally throws him in the boat. And it's that's kind of amusing. But the, that's a, a really funny scene. Like We had the Arya laughing scene last uh, season. Basically, when Jorah tells Tyrion where he's taking him, he's just like... Great, I was going there anyway. And like, let's. Jorah's trying to get back in good. Yeah, graces he's trying to get with... back in good graces with Danny. But right, it's those just two hilarious. characters have really good. 
chemistry together. It was really cool to see both of them in the same place because they'd never met before or anything like that. Like that, there's a lot of good scenes with them, like on the boat and stuff like that. So this is finally where you're, you're starting to see Danny being brought into the fold. Like well, it's still it's from with somebody that actually lived in Westeros. Yeah, with someone other than like you know what I'm saying, like someone of prominence from somewhere other than where she's been. Yeah, we don't really talk about that, but Danny doesn't have, or at least they don't lead you to believe that she has spies over. It doesn't seem like she exactly knows what the hell is going on in Westeros no. at, at any given time. So maybe you know bringing Tyrion in at least gives her some of that. Yeah. And gives her, you know, at least he could tell her about Cersei, about, you know, people but that also, she has no clue who they really are. I mean, we know that she could trust him, but at the same time, like, what position would she be in if she just let him in, right? Like, oh, I'm going to trust the Lannister. Right. He just shows up at her front door one day. Yeah. With some weird, you know, some weird bald dude. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking various. Unsettling guy. Um, big thing with uh with Tyrion and Jorah on their way up there. They're in uh what do they call it? Valeris. Valeris. The decaying city of yeah. Valeris. Yeah. Um two big things happen here, like on that that trek up to meet Danny and Marine. When they get attacked by the guys with grayscale, mm-hmm. that's like the first time that you really kinda understand what grayscale is, I guess. And where it comes from. That's because you see you see yeah. You see Shireen and you know like you see her face but you don't really understand exactly like what what it could have ended up being. And then you basically see these glorified zombies. Yeah. yeah. And in the midst of fighting these guys off, Jorah gets touched. Like scratched or something. Yeah, on right on his wrist. And he sees it. He's, you know, you can tell he's trying to keep it a secret because he knows what What's gonna he's happen. ultimately going to be. Um, another real big scene there that <clears throat> I never really appreciated until after I'd watched, like started to rewatch season five. And it's when you see uh, Drogon flying. And Tyrion is just oh, yeah, standing on that little there. boat, and it's just like like what I was saying about no wasted scenes. Like that scene, there's not a lot going on in that scene, but he would have never expected to see that. As far away as she is, like that's the equivalent of hearing about a White Walker. They don't believe that shit. Like, oh, she's got dragons. Great. That's all bullshit. Oh no, it's not. And it's massive. And you yeah, start, yeah, you guys start to see how big the dragon. Yeah, are like, and it's like holy shit, and it just the all in his face. Even though like there's not much else going on, like I I will always remember like that scene after rewatching it and seeing how kind of how things play out. But um, things don't exactly work out for old Jorah. Um, Danny still doesn't want him to. Uh, to be on her side even though he fights his way back up through the fighting pits right he is grayscale and she's still pissed off at yeah him. and so she I means she exiled him again yeah she exiles him again but that's also another thing about Tyrion is that's a smart play on on his behalf to get you know because they would have they'd have been killed if Tyrion hadn't thought on his feet so quickly and told him you know whoa, whoa Jorah's a, a a warrior he's worth more in the fighting pits than he would he is you know dead He's and me too. Man. So let's go. So very smart move on his part. Um, like we said, Jorah gets back. Danny's like, nah, dude, you're still a snitch. See you later. But doesn't he save her life again? Later on, later when he, on. he fights his way back again because 
Well, we'll get into like her thing and get back yeah. into him, but um, staying with Tyrion, he kind of he kind of starts to to gain her favor. She's she's realizing how intelligent he is. Yeah, she likes him. And yeah, they kind of they both get to share horror stories about their fathers and their families. Yeah. So they kind of they kind of bond on that. Um, he becomes her advisor. Yeah, it's uh it's kind of she she had a rough season the season prior. Now she's kind of kind of starting to to make her way back up. She still ha- like it's similar like like I said the parallels between her and John are crazy when you look at it from like seeing all the way up to season eight. They'll have a good season, and then they'll have a real bad season, and then they'll have a season where some good stuff happens, but there's always the bad stuff happening too. In season five, this is where you get to see you know the sons of the harpy that are clearly a threat to her. Um, that scene is so weird where the, uh, unsullied guy is going into the whorehouse and you're like, why is he going into a whorehouse? Like they don't have a dick. Like what's the purpose? And then the girl starts to take her shirt off and he's like, you don't have to or whatever. And then she just starts like rubbing his head and then throat slit. Yep. Totally out of the blue. You're like, you're just so confused because it's like, this is so weird. She's like treating him like, you know, like a little kid. And then just blood gushing out of the neck. Which they're so, so phenomenal at doing to us. Just yeah. constantly ripping our hearts out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, you get to see the uh, the Sons of Harpy. She, even though she's gaining Tyrion, like similar to, to Bran last season where he meets the Three-Eyed Raven and loses Jojen. She gets Tyrion, but then Barristan Selmy gets killed. Yeah, Sir Barristan does die. And a great scene with... Great, or, uh, Grey Worm. Grey Worm. Um, he takes, he's basically, what, left in a coma for, for a couple episodes from getting stabbed in the stomach and stuff like that. That scene ends with you thinking both of them are dead. They're both just laying there. Barristan Selmy goes out, like, the night... Yeah, he I mean, the, that's as, yeah, that's exactly what he, he got wanted to do. do justice. That's what he wanted. He said that he wanted to fight for a king that was worth fighting for, and he died fighting for, for Danny's cause. And that's exactly, like, not many people in Thrones get the death that they want yeah, to have, yeah. and he got that. Which just goes to show you, like, you know, how honorable he was and all that. So, she's taking her licks, little by little, um... And then the culmination of that is in the midst of this, the Sons of Harpy attacking her, they're cornered, they're screwed, but then who comes in to save the day? Drogon. Starts torching people. First time you get to see her actually climb on his back and ride him, which... And to put in perspective, like one thing we didn't discuss was the scene with Drogon where he flies up to her and she tries to like touch him and he flies off and you can kind of see that he you know her lack yeah of like her confidence is shook things aren't going well for her he's just going to go do his own thing now at this point all of a sudden she's riding him so even with the shit that happens she's still ending on kind of a high note like yeah. she's not in the best position right there and she flies off into the sky so this kind of makes more of a focus on at this point Tyrion with um, Grey Worm and uh, Masandre. He's basically kind of left to to deal with the mess. He's doing exactly what Varys sent him up there to do. Yep. And it's now not only is he trying to help Danny, 
he's helping her by teaching those two how to rule. This is the first time he's had like real power over people. Exactly, and everybody in Thrones that you've seen with power so far has just been a complete shitbag with it. Yep. And you get to see to the core, Tyrion's a good guy, and he wants he believes in you know what he's fighting for, and he wants to help people. He's not a tyrant. He's not a, like a, a terrible person, a I mean, psychopath think about like everyone. Him and, and Sansa, like he, yeah, like everything he's done is honorable, and he just gets the shit into the stick every time you turn around. But he really like there's some. Uh, I think isn't this where the quote "I drink and I know things" isn't that where that comes from? Where he's talking to Grey Worm and Masandre and then yeah. like, drinking or yeah. whatever. And he like starts telling him or teach him how to tell jokes or whatever, but it's a it's a good, like I said, Danny she she's taking her licks and this and that, but she gained a very very powerful ally in Tyrion, and that's crazy to think about when you think about him being a Lannister because generally when a Lannister's helping you, you're getting their backing for gold, and they're just an ally. He has none of that. No, he can't pay his debts anymore. Yeah, he's paying. Everything forward just by his knowledge and really showing Danny this is what you need to do to lead. He's picking his side. He's kind of her like secret savior of this is how you should be queen. It's what you want. I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you how. So getting back to what you were saying about Jorah, there is that scene where. So basically, to continue with Danny's plot, she ends up she decides to marry the highly born guy. There's the scenes with Dario where she's telling him, like, you know, I obviously enjoy banging you, but I need to do this right. to solidify I myself to, yeah, make here. Myself more. So part of that alliance is she decides to reopen the fighting pits and all that good stuff. So once again, who comes fighting back? And it's Jorah Mormont. And he never gives up. Man. Never gives up. He wants that booty, and he's, he's getting that booty. He's not, but he thinks so. So that's the big thing. Like the shocking thing is he picks up that spear and he chucks it and saves her from getting killed. And then that's what actually leads in to the Sons of the Harpy battle with Drogon. We kind of went ass backwards. But I feel like that was less important than what happens with Danny and all that. But still, she just pretty much... So he still away. tries to leave and find her. Yeah, I but think it's like he's still trying to find Danny. Just, just get on out of here. It's you. You betrayed me, and I can't show weakness. And then things take a turn for the worse from her, as she's uh, her and Drogon are kind of licking their wounds. We get to see the uh, the old nomads again. Yeah, the, and it's weird because she's by herself, and it's the first time she's really been by herself. And well, I guess if you consider. Drogon by herself, but he flies away, right? And it's just her standing there in the middle of this field, and what what appears to be hundreds of Dothraki with all with horses, all on horseback, just start like doing this weird like cyclone thing yeah, where they all surround her and, and keep riding like in formation in circle around her. It's really really weird. At first, I thought, oh, dude, she's about to get the Dothraki army now. And then you realize, like, what she do, takes that ring off or whatever and drops it. Yep. And you're like, oh, this isn't... This is not good. This isn't good for her. Right. So, like I said, same thing with John. It's like, good and bad, good and bad, good and bad. Yep, she's back to That's bad. That's pretty much, like, <laughs> ends up like, oh, great. Your other two dragons are still locked up. Your one just took off. And you're the only one that's going down there to get them out. And yeah. They're, they're pissy. They're pissy <laughs> Yeah, they're like... They're like 
They're like teenage people. teenage boys. Like no one else is going down there to release those things. So she's she's back finishing at the uh the very end of a short rope there. So that's pretty much uh the Lannisters, what's going on on their side of town. Um get to go back to the Starks, which things are never looking up for the Starks. Um, Bran, kind of like we discussed on the last podcast, nothing happens with him. Um, he's getting his Yoda training. Yeah, pretty much. He's on Dagobah with Yoda, learning how to become a Jedi. Um, I'm really happy that they didn't just give him like three episodes of not being in it and then yeah. bring him back as like Billy Badass. Less you know? is more yeah. to me, so that was great. Yeah, let him, uh, let him go through the cave and destroy Darth Vader and see his face in the helmet and start to work shit out. I'm fine with it. So, Arya, things finally start to get really fun for her, you know? Yeah, it's different. She's in Bravos. She's basically, you don't really know what to expect. You know you know how bad of, how much of a badass Jockin is, but you don't know anything else. So, even though things are kind of like, like we discussed on the last podcast, she's in a spot where she needs to be to become the person for season eight. It still doesn't start off well for her. Like nothing is easy for a Stark ever. Her training is tough. But but even before that, before she yeah. can even get in, yeah, she has to, to sit outside. outside two or three days. Yeah, and then finally training. they let her in. Which now that I think about it, and this is totally off topic, reminds me a lot of the Doctor Strange scene from Marvel where he has to sit out there but anyways before we get sidetracked and go down that rabbit hole um, we'll talk about that on something else I'm sure um, she finally gets in she's she's getting trained you know what are they the, the faceless mini men. face god mini the faceless face men faceless men um, basically like the the general gist of her training is you need to be known like, you're no longer Arya Stark. They make her throw away her possessions. Yeah, like, like she does get, keep get rid of needle. your possessions. She keeps dag- or a needle. She she hides him. Hides him up in the, uh, in the rocks, throws everything else off. But that's basically the gist of everything is, like, you need to be no one. You're no longer Arya Stark. Yeah, she has to give up everything. Yeah, it's time. Like, you have to was. be broken down before you can be built up. So, the person that she's with the entire season is just an insufferable little bitch. She and, treats her pretty... Yeah, treats pretty her like pretty. shit, yeah. but it's just... It continues with the trend. Like, you wouldn't expect anything less. Right, exactly. It's not like this is the first hurdle that Arya's had, but the training's kind of weird because she ends up being, what, like a clam sal- salesman or something, basically, yeah, so something she can like just that. report back to Jockin yeah. about what's going on in the town. Um, it's it's kind of, of a drawn-out process, but I don't really remember ever getting bored with it. She gets her first assassination, and that's that's a big one there. Yeah. That assa- excuse me. That assassination is absolutely fucking brutal. Well, she tries. She has to kill the insurance guy first, but she stumbles upon Sir Marin Tran. Sir Marin Tran, and the thing. The thing about him is, like, he really hasn't been important. The last time we saw him was when he killed the uh, guy that was training Arya. I can't remember his name. I'll never remember his name. Dohario or uh, something like that. Dario. Yeah. Dario. No, Dario's with Danny. Oh, yeah. 
You should drink more bourbon. I, I'm on it. <laughs> I'm playing catch up. Um, that's pretty much. I mean, the last time that you really saw him do anything, and even at that point, like I didn't know who the hell he was. But the way they bring him in, you fucking hate him from oh, just man. seeing him in this scene. You find out that not only you know he's going to a whorehouse, whatever, but he likes little girls. And not only is that bad enough, he's beating the shit out of him with like a little switch thing. Yeah. So you see the two girls, like, they're, like, crying, making noises, stuff like that. And then the third one, smacking the shit out of her, and there's nothing. He dismisses the other two girls. They look at at the girl with her hair in her face, and, like, they look, like, frightened for her. Yeah. Instead of being happy, they're getting let go. They're frightened for her. And then all of a sudden, you what's he say? I've got my work cut out for me. And then... Arya rips oh, the face off. It's Arya, and she immediately goes for the eyeball with the <laughs> dagger. rips his eyes out. Like, we've seen her kill people before, and we've seen terrible deaths. This one was personal. Though. Like, Oberyn is my least favorite death right. of any of them, and it was brutal. But this one is absolutely horrifying. The... I, I I wish I would count how many times she stabs this guy. Not first stabs him in the in the right eyeball, then stabs him in the left eyeball. Then what does she do? Takes the thing, the rag, and stuffs it in his mouth. Yeah. And as like I think at that point she like really creepily like kneels down beside him, and basically starts talking to him and like taunting him as she's doing this. And then she just kind of casually leans over, stabs him in the side. Then as she's telling him that she's Arya. She stabs him in the back again and then slices his throat. And not like slices his throat quickly. Yeah, real Very, slow. very slow. You really yeah. can see a vindictive Arya. Oh, you see that she is, she's going to become, like with her training now, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. However, uh. <laughs> keeping with the uh, <laughs> the way that things go for Starks. She pays for it. She pays for it. She realizes that she fucked up and she killed the wrong person and that's not how things go. She got caught. And she ends up blind. So that's, you know, a high followed by, it's like, oh, here's the high, two steps forward. Well, here's your punishment, ten steps back. Yep. Just continuing with with the stark trend. Um... Since we're talking about, you know, psychological trauma, we might as well go right into Sansa and her great luck. So, I guess when when season four ends, you think that things are kind of starting to to go in the right direction for Sansa. She's out of Lannister's grasp. Yeah, she's finally out of King's Landing. Kind of close to family. Yeah, well she was before (laughs) Baelish killed Liza. Um... She's finally out of King's Landing. She's finally out of the la- the grasp of the Lannisters. This is the first time that like we haven't seen her in a terrible, terrible spot. We know she's with Baelish, who we've seen is basically behind everything, one way or another. And then all of a sudden, his big plan is to make a treaty, basically, or an alliance with he takes the Boltons. He takes her to Winterfell. He makes an alliance with the Boltons. 
and she's getting married off to Ramsey. So she got away from Joffrey, and now she's in a worse spot. Right, just for a little finger to push her in the direction of Ramsey. It's just, you don't, you don't even know what to say at this point. And they kind of want to unify the veil and Winterfell, too. It's like a weird, Baelish does. Weird, yeah, yeah it's Baelish weird does, play. but that's just so he can control things again. So you automatically realize that Sansa is in a worse spot than she was even in King's Landing. They've shown like, and we didn't even cover it in the last podcast, but they we finally get to see just how sadistic he really can be, even after the shit with Theon and all that. It shows him and his psycho girlfriend hunting women down in the woods with an air like a bow and arrow, and then he's sicking dogs on him and shit. It shows him basically Flaying with people. Reek on a leash. He's constantly flaying people yeah. open and alive and shit like that. All like, their muscles. Things are not... Like, Sansa's in the worst position that she's been in yet. Yeah. And the most fucked up thing that has happened to her yet is she gets married to Ramsay. They show him, you know, ripping her dress open from the back and basically raping her. Right in front of Theon. While Theon's watching. It's brutal. Like, it's brutal. It's, it's a terrible those, scene. It's, yeah. it's probably right there. I'd say um, something that we're going to discuss later in this podcast is one really super, super, super fucked up event. And then this scene with Sansa. And then the other one would be the Red Wedding with uh, Rob's wife being stabbed. Yeah. Like, those are, like, the three worst scenes for me. Like, I guess, I don't know... Like, what word I'm looking for? Anyways, doesn't matter. <laughs> um, things aren't going well for Sansa. She uh starts to try to escape, and she gets caught by Ramsey Psycho bitch. And then you get a slight glimpse of hope here. Theon might be Theon of old. Throws her off the cliff. They take off. So as a common occurrence for the Starks. A Stark's on the run, yeah. and you have no and, idea and kind of what's going side on. Side note is Brienne and Podrick are kind of following Sansa. That is true. They're there to help, but they're from they're they watching just, from they like keep far away, these, like traps. They yeah. can't so, like get there. It just it stays with the the Stark trend of getting shit on, and now you're on the run. Going for safety, but, you know, it is good that she does have Brienne behind her. You kind of start seeing Reek, though, become a little more Theonish. A little bit more. Yeah. But you still, I mean, at this point, like, he's so broken. Yeah. And they're keeping him in a cage. Yeah, he's caged with the dogs. Like, isn't it in this season where... His sister um, tries to save him? And that was last season, I'm pretty sure. Where yeah, it was last season where uh, Yara comes back to save him. That was hilarious because he, he just he gets back in the cage. He well, he, the yeah, cage. he pulls the dogs out and she's like, "I'm out of here." Yeah, yeah she just he, leaves him. It was the saddest like rescue attempt I've ever seen. Well, she knew was he Yara was broken. trying to get. No. Yeah, she did, and and she didn't realize how bad it had been, and she 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 didn't last long. She got thrown out pretty quick. Now you finally you get to see. He's got, like I said, you just got that little glimpse of hope little glimpse. That, that he might return to old form, but at the same time, you just, you know he's never going to be the yeah, same it's person too late. that he was. It's too late. He got his dick cut off. And it's, it's, the screwed up thing is, at one point, you despise the guy, you hate his guts for the shit that he did 
at Winterfell with Bran and Rickon. But now you just you feel bad for the guy because the shit that's happened to him is so terrible. Yeah, it's just absolutely terrible. So, yeah, as as bad as he was, he's never half as bad as Ramsay or even Joffrey. But you learn this is where Sansa finds out that Rickon and Bran are not dead. So that's uh you know another slight glimmer of hope. Um, Staying up that direction, uh, Stannis is. Still up at the wall with old Jon Snow. He's still trying to talk him into becoming a Stark again and being Warden of the North. Um, This is pretty much where uh, Stannis meets his demise. Things start getting uh, a little out of hand for old Stannis. They're they're up in the North. Starts snowing pretty heavy. He's The thing you see about Stannis is he's so hell-bent on becoming the king that he won't ever sacrifice for a minute or not not sacrifice is the wrong word completely wrong word for him sorry um he proves that completely otherwise um he just he doesn't know when to retreat he's that guy that's just so fucking hard-headed that he doesn't know when to just be like all right maybe we should chill out for a minute they just stop marching for a little bit this is where melisandre starts talking to him like there's only one way that that we can make this storm stop and we need we need to do a sacrifice. Um, I couldn't imagine ever making this decision, but... Um, it's heavy. Yeah. It's time to burn your daughter at the stake. Yeah, this is I mean, one of the worst scenes He was reluctant. The show. I'll give him uh, Okay, yeah. Yeah, let's give the guy credit. Before he burns <laughs> his daughter alive at the stake, he, he didn't jump at the opportunity right away. Melisandre brings it up to him. He doesn't want to do it. Realizes that it's it's not going to stop storming unless I burn my daughter alive and I have to become king. So you're right. Let's not fault him. He didn't like jump at the opportunity to do it. it, But he did. So he's still a piece of shit. And then from there, things go from bad to worse. And his uh, wife hangs herself. She finally... She's cool with him banging other women and all the blood magic shit. But now that we've burned her, we burned my daughter alive... And I'm going to end things. Yeah, then, so that happens. But then he loses half his army, too. Yeah, I mean, would you want to follow a guy that just burned he, his daughter alive? lost touch. It's like, nope, half his half his army's gone. So, naturally, he uh, decides to retreat and tucks his tail between his legs. Just kidding. Nope, nope fuck it. <laughs> nope. I don't care. We don't even have horses. Let's fucking march on Winterfell. Bad idea. So, while he decides to do that... Ramsey is yearning for uh, some blood. Doesn't, I think Roos talks him out of attacking, but what he does is they sneak out in the middle of the night, torch all their supplies and shit, so now he's got nothing. Right. He's got half his army's gone, their supplies are burned down, so then he decides, finally, he makes the smart move, tucks his tail between his leg, and retreats. Just kidding, no, no he doesn't. Nope, he nope we're just going to keep marching. So here we go. And my whole army slaughtered. But Stannis is still alive. And who better no. to kill Stannis off than Brienne? Brienne. She comes back. She fi- He finally admits to her that he was responsible for Enley's death. And she finally gets the closure that she's wanted. And kills him. Yeah, since season two. 
So, like, of right off the top of my head, two times that something that should happen happens, happen this season. She should have been looking for Sansa. I guess that one... That See, one, that's that's, a, that's the problem. If you look that was. way, she was. you should stop watching Thrones. Let's celebrate a victory <laughs> when we can celebrate she a victory. She was looking for Sansa. That's how she, found, she stumbled upon Stannis. Right, so technically, you know. uh, she... Renly died before she was tasked to find Sansa by Catelyn. So maybe that one precedes the other one. Look, <laughs> you're you're talking semantics at this point. I'm celebrating the fact that someone Stannis is of honor dead. Not that Stannis is dead, even though yes, after burning his daughter alive, yeah, I was, totally wanted him was, to fucking yeah, die. He needed to die. Someone of honor finally gets to get revenge on the person that they've wanted to get revenge on. But that's the thing, too, is with Brienne, it's not like she's been on a war path to, to exact revenge on Stannis. She's trying to protect Sansa. Right, and that just and happens then, along the yeah, way. Yeah, and it just yeah. happens. That shit doesn't happen <laughs> with characters with, in Thrones. With her little buddy, Podrick. Yeah. yeah. But that shit doesn't happen in Thrones. And Melisandre like, escapes and yeah. goes to Castle Black. She goes north. Um, but that's the other thing, too, we didn't uh, talk about was Stannis... Sends Davos to Bravos. So he doesn't I don't know if yeah. they plan that. It's like all of a sudden we turn into Dr. Seuss up in here. Yeah, you're a poet. Um, so he doesn't know. He doesn't see it. No, he doesn't see it because he. We've already seen, like, I can only imagine what he would have done if he knew that he were, the Stannis were going to burn Shireen at the stake. No, dude, he'd have been. Because he already tried to kill her just because of the blood magic and he already got jailed. And that's why we actually grow to care about Shireen, right? With his interactions, right? They're like, like friends. Yeah, they're they're friends. Yeah, she she teaches him literacy. I mean, these are just she has grace. These are tools to life that he's not going to lose just because she's not there. Exactly. But that's a that's a, I mean, I remember Danny watching that. Like she got up and walked away. She's like, I'm not sitting here watching this. And then she has pretty much not paid any attention to any episode. I think since then. Yeah, it's it was it was pretty rough. It was bad. Gets a little uncomfortable at times. I mean, you know, you've been uncomfortable. This shit at this point, like, it just you don't feel good about it at all. And it's like, why are they doing this to me? Like, of all the shit you've done to me, it's fine. It definitely sends you to but a, then, a like, darker realm. But it shows you. I mean, like like we said before, if you think that this shit has a happy ending, you have not been paying attention. And this is showing you, like, same thing that we were talking about with Cersei. These people are willing to let their children die for the throne. And in 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 this instance, he's the one that gives the okay for his, his kid to be killed in this whole scheme of things. Right, so Stannis' character is really weird because he has... His, his character's kind of worthless. Nothing that cool happens. I mean, everything cool and different, I guess, is through Melisandre. But if, if you want to go back to season one, he's the true rightful heir to the throne. If you think Robert Baratheon, when he was king, is the true king, mm-hmm. then the his oldest brother, when he dies, should become king. So it's like this guy, they've just kept him around for that reason, and his story becomes real weird and different. But it's like he, in the grand scheme of things, he doesn't have, he doesn't ever kill a White Walker. He never steps foot in King's Landing, like inside. And, and it's kind of, he's always on the outside looking in. But it's weird because they, they tell you, like, this dude 
probably, and everybody thinks they should be king, but that dude probably had, that he was next in line. That harkens me back to when him and Renly face off, and he's, Renly's like, no one wants you to be king. Right, and and he, and Renly's younger, so Renly's like, fuck it, I'll, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll go for it too, so they because said people actually like me, and, and I'm not this boring, dull, they said you know, that tacticianer. President of, no one wants Stannis to be king, and no one does. It just the wasn't, downfall ensues. It wasn't meant to be for Stannis. He tried. He really tried. Right. He and tried he, more than he, anyone and else. He should have. He probably should have been king, because his after Robert died. I mean, well, the way this story's playing out. When then he I dies, have he been dies, surprised. You know, he dies north of Winterfell or whatever, and he dies so, you know, so far away from King's Landing. I guess that was. I guess the Battle of Blackwater Bay was his shot, and after that it was like, nope, you had your shot, you screwed it up, yeah. Lannister's got you. I mean, you know, Melisandre sent him north. She said, well, the, the war is... But that's but that's the come. thing, too, is who's still alive? Melisandre or, Melisandre or Stannis? Yeah, she's the smart one. Even Davos. Davos is still alive. Stannis just... He had no personality. He was no, a, that's wasn't, he, he was a, a great warrior and a good tacticianer and a, a a general and all this stuff. But like, he got played. I'm telling like just to be completely honest, like I love Game of Thrones. Like I haven't read the book stuff like that. I couldn't remember like if you remember talking to me even before I think before we started rewatching everything before season getting up to season eight, I couldn't remember the fucker's name because the the biggest thing from his whole story arc. Is you get Brienne of Tarth and Melisandre and the the blood magic. That's what you get. He doesn't matter. No, exactly. He's just, he's just a pawn in the game. Yeah, he's just you know that pawn to get things going. But like he doesn't matter. There's nothing exceptional about him whatsoever. So I mean, it just finally you, you get that that loose end tied up. He's gone now, and. The one thing that I do remember is Davos's reaction when he finds out that Shireen's been been killed. Like you just see, like you really feel for the guy because he's he's been trying to do the right thing too. I mean, he was and kind of her father. Take figured, yeah, honestly, and taking losses. Like that's what we've come to expect is <laughs> the good people get shit on. Yeah, and the will, bad people do well. Davos always wanted to do the right thing. But this season, we kind of start to see some some loose ends get tied up, I guess. And, you know, like I said, like with Stannis, the uninteresting guy, he dies. We've seen Cersei get her ass kicked. And Stannis allows Reek and Sansa to escape, though. His attack on yeah. Winterfell. I guess that's... Now, all of a sudden, you're the glass half-full guy. Yeah. And that's what allows them to escape. I guess that is a they big positive. Out, so, way to go, Stannis. Yeah. We're going to gloss over the fact that you burned your daughter at the stake. That's his pivotal role. And, like, the other wildlings that you've burned alive that we didn't even talk about. But you let Sansa escape. So, way to go, man. Way to be the ultimate distraction. Yeah. And we will all forget that you uh, burned your daughter at the stake. So, kind of getting back to what I was saying about the uh, the wildlings and... Stannis' uh, proclivity to set shit on fire. Um, <laughs> that whole thing ties into John. He's the one that's put John in a bad spot. John basically is given the ultimate, like, you're going to go get these wildlings to join my army, or we're going to set them on fire. So John's obviously in a bad spot. 
he basically tells Mance Raider this, and that's the thing that you respect about Mance Raider is he is he's willing to get burned at the stake. But like that's where you really grasp the concept and see the major scope of things that like that's fine. You can burn me alive, but if all my people can get past the wall, I'm okay with that because yeah. that is what matters. That's their ultimate like, goal. Yeah. We just need to get past the wall. So basically you get to see once again the character of John and that he's going to continue to try to do what's right and what he thinks is right regardless of consequences while Mance is getting burned John shoots him with an arrow to put him out of his misery he had a lot of respect for yeah and that's part of what John's biggest issue is this season is respect for a wildling and that's going to get you into shit with the Night's Watch. John understands the scope. Yeah, but he just... He, he obviously doesn't. he gets doesn't. a lot of shit for it, though. He obviously doesn't because of what happens. We'll say the greater good. Um, <laughs> it's You kind of start to see, like, with that, where, where he shoots Mance and puts him out of his... You know, basically shows him mercy, puts him out of his misery before he's torched alive. You, you see the... You see John's character to the core. Like, there's... He's going to do the right thing. He's one of the few righteous people in this show. And then things to continue on a high note, he's made Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. So, you get to once again see that he will put his personal feelings aside when he makes... Like, what Alistair Thorne would have done if he would have become the Lord Commander... He would have shipped John off as far away uh, on the wall that he could have. Right. John understands that Thorne is still like, regardless of their personal feelings, he's still a valuable piece to to the Night's Watch. So he makes him his first in command, basically, which right. no one expected to happen. Um, but the big thing with this is, while all this shit's going on, you get to you really finally get to see the White Walker numbers. In action with the wildling battle. This is one of the coolest scenes, like in in all. Really, it was the the first really cool fight scene, like what you said with the wildlings, and you get to see it's not the Night King, right? It's just one of his generals or something. Yeah. The at, dude with the, the long end. white hair, and yeah, so he's like walking through fire. And yeah, like, the thing the thing that I remember about this this scene in particular like or this episode in particular is while all the talk about the wildlings and John's trying to kind of sway him and Tormund's there we really get to see that bond strengthen with Tormund where yeah. you really like you've you've kind of started to like him but now you see that he's Billy Badass too right so he works with the wildlings to lead it's a rescue mission right who are they supposed to rescue I think that the, the, these these Poor people or something living in the outskirts, like, uh, like out, out south of the wall, but still an area that like could be breached or something. It wasn't north of the wall, was it? Honestly, I don't remember. They took a they took a boat. It's north of the wall. They were trying to get yeah, it's still north. They were trying of the to get wall. the people that were still kind of weary of the ranger. The, Those people. That's that's the point that I was getting to. That woman, I don't remember her name, but she's the mom with the kids. Like, 
you're you're all this shit's going on. You get to see Tormund as Billy Badass, where he beats the guy that's wearing like the the skeleton mask. Yeah. Basically, he beats him with that staff. Like everybody in this show dies from sword or in Stannis's case, fire. Yeah. But like Tormund's just got that big ass like. It's not even like a sledgehammer, but it's just like a wilding sledgehammer, I guess. Bashes the shit out of this dude. You see this woman. She's a very strong female lead. And you start to kind of get like attached to her even at this point because she's such a strong character in this episode. The, The whole shit happens where the White Walkers come. She sees, like, in that battle, like, this is what I was getting at. I know we took a way long route to get back to my point. Um, (laughs) But the thing that I remember is that scene where the kids pop up as White Walkers. And you just realize, like, she's fucked. And she gets destroyed. Like, they show the scene ends with her on her back and these kids basically attacking her. But you can still see her face. Right. So, like, you, you're getting to see just how powerful the White Walkers are in this scene. Now, getting back to what we were talking about before, um, this is where we finally get to see exactly how important Valyrian steel yeah, is. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. John realizes his sword can kill and it shatters White Walkers. Yeah, the build-up to this was these people are trying to fight off, like, not, not every White Walker... But you can tell the difference in the powerful guys. Like the one, yeah, that guy. He's just, his blade is hitting other swords and they're just shattered. shattered. So like, you're like, shit, if this is happening, then what the hell are they going to do? And John's right there in the thick of it. Like, they can't kill John off. There's no way they can kill John off. Well, what the hell is he going to do? Oh, wait, he's got a Valyrian steel blade on his sword. Now we got dragon glass and we got Valyrian steel. And more importantly, John has Valyrian steel. And as he's getting his ass handed to him and tossed around by this White Walker, destroys him. And then from there, you that's when you see the Night's King really taking note of John. Like, he's sitting on his horse watching from afar. And you get to see, like, John, he didn't know who John was before, from what we know. Right. John's... Right there, big bullseye on his back. He realizes that he's pretty powerful. Yeah. So, like, this this battle was crazy. I think I like... This is probably, like, my favorite battle. Like, I appreciate, like, the Battle of Blackwater Bay because of the what Tyrion did for that battle and stuff like that and the pyrotechnics and all that good stuff. I really enjoyed the battle in Season 4 with the Wildlings attacking the wall. But this one, like, this was... John's finally... He's finally got some support. And we like, forgot to mention he became Lord Commander. No, we mentioned that. Well, so, well. You need to have another drink, Adam. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> uh, maybe do a shot this time. <laughs> um, no, like, it. he's finally got an army to back him. Like, the Night's Watch is not supporting him. Right. The Wildlings finally are. And that was obviously with Tormund's help. So he's finally got support. All this shit's going off. It's really cool with, like, them trying to get through the wall like that fence and stuff like that and everything it's super super tense scene and then all of a sudden it gets calm and they show the night's king again and then that's where you finally start to grasp the scope of how powerful he really is how screwed the humans are 
pretty much the living right. are fucked. Raise the he dead. basically just raises his hands and all the dead wildling, wildlings just well, and they're, they're They finally escape, right? So they're on the boat, like, the They're on the boat, out, away. like, not... Not far enough where, like, I felt safe for them still. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, everyone rises so up. So they see him. They see him, you know, kind of standing there on his own. And, yeah, like you said, he just he lifts his arms, each arm. And then everybody he's, just... He's just like, look at this. Yeah. Like, oh, you beat us? <laughs> Damn, you you got us. All those humans that they just tried to save are now part of his army. It really, the first time it sinks in, like, how fucked everybody Pretty was. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, you... You don't have any idea what they're gonna do at this point. Like it's just it's the the standard Game of Thrones shit. Victory, small victory, followed by just a soul crushing defeat. Yeah, but then you start to realize how fucked everyone is. That's what I'm saying is you realize like John, you're worried shit like you're worried for John. Everyone's swords are falling apart and this and that, and then boom, he he kills the guy. Yeah. And then all of a sudden all of a sudden, oh, this guy can just raise all these people back from the dead. So not only did we lose our numbers, he gained those numbers. Yeah. And that's what I was getting at with that woman that I was talking about, like the strong character. She's the focal point of when that shit happens. She's the person that you see out of that entire scene of all those dead bodies. You see her. Yeah. And you're just like, not only did you get stabbed in the back... And kicked in the dick. <laughs> her heels what squashes your balls. And it's just like, all right, great. So what are we going to do now? But they escape. They escape. They but, get back to Castle Black. But that's somehow. the thing is, they went there to bring back They were going to evacuate an that army. village. Yeah. They were... More people for the living army. They came back with how many people? A couple boats? Yeah. You know, we're not even talking about like ships like everywhere else. We're talking about fucking canoes. You're bringing a couple canoes worth of people back. Great. What a victory we just got. So, like like I said when we were doing the last season's podcast, like, these two seasons have got me, like, super, super amped up for season eight. Like, just not even getting into season six and season seven. These, these two seasons are just so much, like, there's so many things that kind of start to come into play. Like, you see... You start to see some of Arya's power. You start to, you know, kind of see how, what she's potentially capable of. Sansa's finally free. Right. She's on the run, but she's still... We don't really know quite yet. No, but she's fine. Like, as of right now, even though she's on the run, this is the best spot that she's been in. This is, yeah, this is the best spot that she has been in. You also learn to dislike or begin to dislike the Night's Watch if you didn't already. You kind of do because you, yeah. John's been with the Wildlings for a while. He's been one of them, and so he has to come back now and help defend the wall. And John was only following orders too. Exactly. So he he's always done that from the beginning with the Night's Watch. He never really he actually cared for Egret, and overall, like you said, he he respected Man's Raider. So he liked the Wildlings. But he, he still he, turned his back on Egret. Exactly, and he still turned his back. He still left. To join these people, and these people have really never had his back the entire time he's been there, even from season one. So, I mean, you know, one or two of them, but it's 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 kind of rough to see that that he keeps coming back to this. So, you know, I, I grew to dislike the Night's Watch more yeah. as they hated and hated on. 
the wildlings who you're just led to believe like like you said these people just want to they, they get as like far dogs. south as they can yeah, but before but the, the night's watch the treats them like dogs right and the reason for hating them is well we've been fighting them for yeah. hundreds right. of thousands, real of, reason, right. thousands of years like great so yeah. as like like John we said knows shit though yeah don't understand but back to john he just got back to to the wall he is literally like he literally just watched all these people be brought back to life. But then he loses a couple more people who have his support. Like he sends Sam back. Sam. That's what I was getting yeah, at. Sam. Like when they get back, uh, Amon Lord uh, Meister Amon dies. Yeah. So that kind of at that point, that's when Sam has that conversation with John, where and he's pretty much like, off. "Look, I'm never going to be someone Amon's who's going to do right." Yeah. The biggest boss in all of GOT because he died of natural causes, right? That's true. Like, how many people? The one guy who doesn't get killed. We could do. Let's do an entire podcast. Lord Hoster died of natural causes too. Who? Lord Hoster. Who's that? It's uh, Caitlin's father. He's not in the show, though. I know. It's a book thing. It's a book thing. (laughs) Not, Not in the show. Don't live in that fantasy, happy tale of the books. We're talking about the show. We're going to do an entire podcast on people that just die naturally, and it'll last three minutes. Yeah, yeah. it won't be very interesting at all. Well, that I mean, the, the key thing on that, too, like, back to John, like, taking his fucking licks and constantly, you know, one step forward, 50 steps back, the guy that was the that cast the deciding vote and who was going to become the Lord Commander is now dying and dead. So then, with Sam having that talk with him, he's like, I'm not going to, I'm not ever going to be a soldier. You should send me away. Yeah. I want to take Gilly to get her away from all these guys. He loses his V-card. And he does lose his V-card. Loses Another V-card. victory for Sam. Sam. But yeah. ultimately bad for John because the guy that's been with him, like in support of him the entire time, John is agrees. now being sent away. John agrees to send him, though. But that's because John is not a selfish yeah. person he, in the show. He's a, yeah. If, some, if, like, Robert Baratheon had the same, I guess, like, not un, very very unselfish intentions that someone like John does. He would have never pulled Ned to to King's Landing, I mean, and Sam's, this shit wouldn't happen. Sam's more important to John as a a mind than a physical. Well, the body, reason yeah. the reason that John wants to send him away too is like he the more knowledge they have on their side, the better. The better. So yeah, he wants to. He doesn't want to send him away, but he knows that's what's best for him in the long run. He but that's the thing too is after like we're five seasons into Game of Thrones at this point. We are trying to expect the worst, that the best that we can. We have seen time and time again, when people get split up, there's no happy reunion. Right. The shit that happens to them getting back together is not going to be good for either of them. So John's taking another hit. They just, they just came back with no numbers after the White Walker battle. Now he's catching all this shit from Thorne and all the Night's Watchmen. For wanting to bring wildlings back in and all that again. Now he sent Sam away. And then the fucking unthinkable happens. Yeah. I'll never forget, and you can sense the silence right there. Yeah, yeah. You like, just, that's what happened. It, it grips you. When this happens. Yeah. I'll never forget John seeing that piece of, that plank of wood that says traitor. Yeah. And then he turns around and you see everybody. Stabbing. 
and then stabbing. the stabbing happens. And like the only two that stand out to me that I remember is Thorn does the first one. Right. And Ollie. And Ollie. And Ollie yeah. finishes it. And as he stabs him, Even he saves says, his life. For the watch. He does. Like, of everything that's happened to this point, this was just like, you didn't kick me in my dick. Yeah. I mean, you had so much hope for Jon Snow. And here we are. Like, you're you're so... It's like the ultimate game of, like, distraction. We finally are getting to see the Night's King. We get to see some of his power. We get to see how quickly their numbers can grow just off of one battle. And then Jon gets back. And it ends with him on his back... With the pool of blood. Right. It's politics. He doesn't die in battle. Yeah. You know, defending... No one dies the way that they should. family or somebody like that. Yeah. Who doesn't love Jon Snow? It's very similar to what happened to Rob. Yeah. It is very similar. The Starks just got shit. That's that's the biggest problem is it's like... It's not even that he was given a fighting chance. It's that he was backstabbed and betrayed. For doing what was right. And I'll never like for I'll never forget that man. Like just and that's what I remember so vividly is seeing the blood pooling like under him as the as, as he lays there. And it's just like, dude, are you fucking serious? Yeah, yeah. Just like pale and like that with that expression on his face. Like you took Oberyn from me last episode or last season <laughs> who was a very a very brief fling. But man, he was impactful. And now you're taking John. Taking John. Like, I got a belly full of white dog crap, and (laughs) you're going to spring this shit on me? And then that's how the season ends. That's how it ends. So it's like, you get no explanation. You don't get shit until, what, and I guess it was, it aired that next year. Yeah, but still, that's like the ultimate slap in the face, bad taste in the mouth. All that shit. Like, just rip my heart out. Right. We won't explain anything. We won't explain. We won't let you see, you know, how it impacts everybody else. It's just like, that's what you get. Fade to black. That's it. And that's how the season ends. Just. With hatred. With hatred. Dude, dude. so angry. So angry. You love him for saving John. And then, like, you understand why he saves John. And then you're like. That was just like a slight, like. A slight glimpse of like, oh, you're pissed that he killed her? Oh, oh, oh. Just wait. Just wait. Give us a season. Yep. Give us a season and let us see what we can come up with. But it's fitting. He kills her and John. And they it is. It, yeah. It's it's poetic almost. I mean, like I said, man, like these, these seasons are super, super exciting. This is the first emotional. season. Yeah, very emotional. Stannis, gone. His family, gone. Jon Snow, Gone. Cersei, we don't really know what's going to happen with her. The Lannisters are... Split up. Yeah, like... Tyrion's the one at kind of at the, the upper end of the spectrum at this point. Finally, he's getting some... And Jamie and Cersei are dealing with, you know, the Marcella and their dad dying, all that great stuff. We don't but know still, man... happening to her. With the Starks right now, what everybody in the world knows is... John's dead. Arya's blind. No one has seen Arya. Sansa's on the run. No one knows where she is. Right. Um, Bran and Rickon have been burned alive. 
Like, the Starks are decimated at this point. At this point, no, hope. no one knows where any of them are. Sans is on the run after that whole situation. It's like the Starks have, have virtually been decimated. Yeah. Through and it's own. like, even when we get to see the Lannisters start to take a hit, like, not, and when I say Lannisters, at this point, we're not even talking about the Lannisters we were talking about at the beginning of this show. It's Jamie and Tyrion and then Cersei. And it's just, how much do you hate her? Because if you want to see her suffer, you're going to see a lot of other people suffer a lot worse. So you get that victory yeah. of her and the <laughs> the thing I'll never forget is the the bell and the shame. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. But then fucking Jon Snow gets killed. But still the Starks still get this shitty end of the stick. We finally get to see the Lannisters the take a hit, and the Starks take the worst, like, worst, worst, worst hits in the world. Yep. And it's just dumbfounding, like, that, that scene, man, watching the reaction shows on, like, YouTube and shit from when Jon Snow got killed was just out of this world. Seeing people cry... Seeing people freak out. I mean, it was ruined for me somehow along the way, but still, when I I watched it, it still shocked the fuck out of me. Yeah, like you just, just, I I didn't see it coming. Like they do, they do such a good job of of developing the characters that when when something happens, you really do feel it. So I guess gearing up for uh, the season six recap. I mean, just a, a very very brief thing. We just talked about the Lannisters and the Starks. Uh, this, this Danny's so alive. There's a lot of lows going on. Danny's at a low. John's dead. Don't know about Sansa. Arya's blind. Haven't seen Bran. Have no fucking idea. We haven't seen Rickon in how many seasons? Who knows? Yeah, he's been gone. So we literally have seen nothing about him. Those should take off. Yeah, haven't seen them in forever. Um, Ramsey is a complete sociopath. Yeah, he's. A um, Tyrion's doing well, and the other Cersei's are, or other Lannisters are not doing well. Some action-packed shit. Yeah, it's well worth watching. Finger biting. The thing I think one of the most interesting things from this season, though, that we get to see is the the Valyrian steel. Like once you see that scene with John yeah, and that you battle, understand it's important. Yeah, then you start really, thinking about it, and it's like, well, there's some Brienne has one, right? Yeah. So that's got to matter. This is, after this season, this is where the theories and shit like that, I really started getting into. And I think it's because this is the last season that pretty much, yeah, there are obviously the, the differences between the show and the book. But after this season, this is where things really kind of start to separate. Yeah. And that this is where the theories really became fun because nobody can disprove this. And this is where things kind of start to, depending on what you're reading, spiral out of control. But there were, like, I remember even when we started discussing all this, we would just sit there and text for hours, even days, about just different theories and shit like that. And that's the funnest part is there's no book right now to to disprove it. Exactly. And that was really, that's what was really fun about uh, when watching season six is I'd been watching them with my brother-in-law. Well, up until this point, he pretty much knew what was going to happen. 
season six is when we would, the you know the see the show would end, and we'd talk, and he'd just be like, dude. Yeah. I remember. I'll never forget <laughs> this this conversation. He said, and I quote, "I don't know how you've done this for five seasons." I was like, "What?" He was not knowing what the fuck was going to happen. Like, this shit's stressing me out, taking years off my life. I was like, welcome to my life, dude. I was like, do you remember the Red Wedding? Do you remember the exasperation on my face after that happened? I was like, I haven't known what was going to happen about any of this shit. I, did, right. I went out of my way to not read spoilers. I didn't read the books right. because and I was already getting into wait. the show. You have to wait. Ten months. Exactly. It again. That's the worst part. Is like just sitting there and like right now. That's why I'm getting so excited because we're how many weeks away? Two, like three, three. three. We're finally gonna get resolution. We're, we're there, man. And you know what the worst part is? One week at a time. It's not gonna be a fucking happy ending. No. No, no ending's happy. I mean, none. A lot of people are gonna die. None you know thrones. that. Les Brown gets his castle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'll be one happy ending. <laughs> so I guess like I'll pose this question to you. If all the Starks are dead, Jamie dies, Tyrion dies, Cersei, like I said, still alive, and Bronn gets his castle. Is that a victory <laughs> for you? Do you feel that strongly about no, Bronn getting his no. castle? Okay. I feel a little bit better. Cersei alive is a non-victory situation in any way that it comes. We're watching Game of Thrones, man. I would not be surprised if uh, she's the one sitting on the throne at the end. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's very has, it's uh, possible. People need to get themselves ready for a possible... She has a will to live like exactly. no other person I've ever seen. Well, we've, uh, we've got two more action-packed seasons to recap before the uh, new season comes out. So we'll uh, probably be seeing you guys in about a week or so. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.